Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Rass and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. Here's our co-host, Randy Griggs, coming to you live from Lot B and Lot B- out here, Randy, in sunny California. It is a beautiful day. We have a beautiful pairing going up. We are at the end of Corojo, which is a little bit sad, but uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Randy, how are you feeling? Man, I am on top of the world right now. Today is like the greatest Wednesday of all times. Um, I have nothing to actually like support that statement, but uh, but I'm feeling good, so it must be. Sometimes, if that's just how you feel, you don't have, you don't need to you don't need to support it. Just you know, that's how I feel, and if you don't like it, that's too bad. There you go. I like it's, it. It's America, man. You can feel whatever you want. <laughs> I, I appreciate the support from from my partner. <laughs> hey. So we are uh, we're at the end of Corojo, dude. I'm a little bit sad um, because these have been, but these have been some great episodes and a lot of fun um, and some great cigars. But we're definitely going in a different realm of Corojo than we have been uh, in these last few episodes. Um, so we'll get into that in a minute. Show today, Dojo Nation, is brought to you by our, our fine friends at Drew Estate Cigars. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, has been uh, a supporter of this show for a while. Uh, we really appreciate everything that they, they do to uh, to keep us up and running. Um, so thanks to everyone over at Drew Estate. Randy, why don't you tell us a little bit about the cigar that we're smoking today? Well, I'd be more than happy to, Rob, and as uh, always... Our cigars are brought to us by Smoke In, which we're greatly appreciative of the uh, fantastic fulfillment and customer service provided by uh, that fantastic retailer. Uh, today we are smoking the Aladino Corojo Reserva. This is uh, all Corojo Puro, uh, hailing from Honduras. So it's both a Corojo Puro as well as a Honduran Puro. Um, it is coming from the Las Lomas factory there in Honduras. It is a five by 50 and um this is the uh the amped up version there's a uh an original uh corojo uh, version and then the corojo reserva um there's a fantastic review of this cigar that you can find at cigardojo.com did you write it i did not i did not I mean, i'm almost did I positive no no i'm almost positive that's oh, something oh, i didn't write it <laughs> <laughs> I, I, w- I would go so far as to bet that uh, Jordan Gatormson wrote it, as I know that uh, the boys out there in Colorado are uh, pretty big Ooh. fans of this Ooh. brand in general. Uh, huh? Yeah, these, this is one of my... Okay, so you've got the Espinosa Habano. You've got um, the pretty much anything by Aganorsa Leaf. And then this Aladino. These are kind of the cigars that... Can reset my palate, Jordan. Like if I'm right. having a, if I'm having a bad cigar had day. A bad day. Now we didn't go with the Reserva. I have a box of just the OG, 
Aladino Corojo and Toro size. So me, Matt, and Jordan are all smoking these. But, oh, what a great cigar. Peanuts, saltiness. It's, Holy cow. It's delicious. A little sourdough. Yep. Yep. Goodness. Ooh, sourdough is actually a really good call. Um, <clears throat> I really like... Uh, I like the unassuming branding of this cigar. Yes. It's very, very simple. I love that. Very classic. Now, even the uh, <laughs> boys, you've got the original. The, the branding on that, it's even got like a silver band. Yeah, this one was it's a little metallic, fancier right? on the original. Yeah. But both of them look like a 1970s diner color scheme. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> which I love. It's the San, San Diego Padres, mm. which also mm. seemed like a 1970s diner. So there's that. But... Uh, Anyway, I just really I dig the the look of these. Uh, the flavor on these obviously is great. Um, Want to uh, reach out to everybody out there watching live. Thank you for checking in live. Uh, appreciate everybody listening on podcast as well. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, give us a review. I don't think I've ever asked for that. Give us uh, a little bit of a review. What's uh, up? It, yeah, maybe don't be honest and give us five stars. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but if uh, you're watching uh, you're watching live on Facebook, hit that share button. We appreciate it. That um, <clears throat> will uh, spam your uh, own personal Facebook feed with uh, mine and Randy's faces, which will really upset your friends and family. And that's <laughs> fun to do, frankly, just upset everybody. Just <laughs> piss everybody off. That's kind of fun, too. But uh, anyway, if you could hit that share button, we'd appreciate it. Uh, Randy, we're going with uh, kind of a simple pairing today. We've We've gone through Corojo. We started out with root beer, mm. which I enjoyed. You said that you didn't necessarily enjoy. Hi, Patrick. How are you today? <laughs> Tell us how you feel. Um, I was actually just thinking about Patrick earlier today. Um, I, I, I owe that guy some beer. Oh, no wonder he flips you off. Yeah, yeah. I sent him a bunch of cigars, but I owe that guy a little bit of beer, too. So I think that's uh, something I need to rectify in the near future. Um a bubblegum cigar. Oh, yeah. It's a boy. It's a girl. Those are fun. Um, do you remember those candy cigarettes? Like, had the sm like if you blew on them. Like That's what I actually thought he was referring to. I loved those. Now, I there were two different kinds, at least back in the day. Now, Eric can probably tell us there might have been like seven or eight different styles back in the 70s. But in, in, in the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in your 70s diner when, with your candy we, cigarettes. <laughs> when, when we were growing up, Randy, the there was... Like the crunchy candy version that had like the pink tip, like a, like and a then there were, kind of thing? yeah, I think it, it might have been something like that. And then there was like the wrapped ones that were bubble gum inside. Yeah, I only remember the wrapped bubble gum ones because they had the the powder yeah, substance the, that you could blow out, and yeah, you felt real sophisticated. <laughs> so yeah, this cigarette I, at age six. No, I never <laughs> felt cooler than when I was. Uh, I'd, I'd have one of those bubblegum cigarettes and then i'd chase it with some uh with some big league chew that was uh you chased bubblegum with bubblegum you rebel and so <laughs> well uh we're waiting for uh robbie's connection to come back um uh, we we are gonna be uh pairing the uh corojo grand reserva with a porter style beer today i have on hand, the Deschutes Black Butte Porter, myself. Uh, Rob, what are you drinking with this cigar? Did I uh, bounce out there real quick? Sorry you about did. that. You did. That's all right. Locked up a little bit. I got locked up. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm digging into uh, last season, and I'm going with the Founders Porter, which is uh, a, a kind of a 
a favorite of mine, really. It's it's a it's a very simple style. It's a simple beer uh, with a lot of flavor. It's uh, it's something that, frankly, you can really always find one in my fridge. I wanted to do something a little bit, maybe a little more exciting, um, but I didn't have anything. I had a coffee porter, and I didn't really get a chance. I've been to the ballpark a lot. I didn't get a chance to uh, go out and get something new. So, luckily, Phenomenal. I always have the founder's porter on hand, so that's what I'm going with. Well, uh, funny little uh, side note on that is we didn't drink that in the last season, but uh, we could not. No. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll be damned. I thought we did. Well, that's, uh, well, there you go. I mean, we're using a totally new beer, Randy, this year, this week. It's something we've never talked about. It is, uh, I really thought we, we did this last year. We, wow. did, we did two Founders beers. We did the KBS uh, for the letter B, and we did the Underground Brown for uh, letter U, I believe. You are correct. We did uh, the porters that we did were the Anchor Porter, which is very tasty, mm. and the the other porter that I had in my fridge from last mm, year, there you go. which is Sierra Nevada, and I might crack into that uh, into the second half of the show. We'll see. We will see. So, Randy, this week, you are going to tell us the story of Corojo. Oh, like awesome. it's like it's like a, like a, the the nursery rhyme, the bedtime story of Corojo. But don't put us to sleep. You got to keep. Keep, I mean, keep it high level. I mean, I, I bullet pointed this out, but try to but try to throw a ninja or two into the story, please. <laughs> Something to keep it interesting. Uh, yeah, no. Well, you know what? That's the thing. It is such a wildly interesting story. If you are tuning into this show, you've got to have some level of anywhere from moderate interest to deep love for uh, for tobacco. And this is uh, from all my. Uh, searches one of the, just the best, most uh, romantic backstories to some of the most classic uh, varietals of, of tobacco there are, and um, and and just to let everyone know how much I love to geek out on this type of stuff. When I first started smoking cigars, I did a ton of uh, uh, Google searches, you, you know, just basic web uh, browsing, uh, looking for information about tobacco, and what I've learned. As anybody that watches this show knows, I make I constantly make comparisons between tobacco and, and craft beer. As I as I spent my whole life in the craft beer industry, and you know when when people get into craft beer, it's pretty frequent that they'll really take um, an interest in the knowledge of the ingredients, the agriculture, you know h- how these styles came to be, what their uh, long-standing traditions are. Uh, all the way to a point like yourself, Rob, you know, to become a home brewer and Jordan as well, um, where, where you want to get your hands on the ingredients. And uh, and I don't know if it has something to do with the, the whole relaxation element of smoking premium cigars, that it's just not something that guys want to nerd out about quite as much, it seems. And so I find like there's a lot less literature on tobacco, on fermentation process, on tobacco uh, agriculture. Uh, the way that you would find on the agriculture of hops and barley and, and things of that sort for beer. And so um, so it really takes some searching to get some good information. And, uh, you know, because it is such a, a traditional and age-old uh, process and, um, and product, there's a lot of there's a lot of theory. There's a lot of, uh, you know, assumption. There's a lot of assertions that aren't necessarily factual. Actually, uh, proven a lot of it's got, got kind of this artisanal, like these 80 to 90 year old guys that, that you know did it back in the day before 
Fidel kind of like where we get our knowledge for an industry and you just don't find a ton of literature. So, um, so I was pretty excited when I found this article and, and I identified right when I found it online that it was in uh, a pretty old article. It was actually, um, it actually came out in 2004 uh, you know, you're just gonna straight up read us a book you. right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I told you I got a bullet pointed out. I'm gonna keep it high level, but, uh, but, but it's it's such a fun story for me because I fell in love with this article and, and I, I must have read it half a dozen times and I bookmarked the article. And at one point we were doing this show. I was prepping for this show and I wanted to, um, something came up and I wanted to double check my, I wanted to fact check myself and I was gonna reference that article. So I go to the bookmark, and the page is gone. It, yeah, uh, I remember this day. Yeah, yeah. Was, no, this was, this was a dark, dark day for Randy. He called me. He was really upset. I'm like, dude, what happened? And he's like, oh, man, this article I want to talk about this week has disappeared. And then there was an equally bright day. Uh, and we'll get to that. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, so but when I had found it, the the magazine had already become defunct and gone out of business. It was called Smoke Magazine, and the uh, the website that I that you could still read it on was archive.smokemag.com, and uh, and it uh, so it, you know they decided to stop paying for the for the domain or whatever it was, but it was just gone one day, and I'm searching out the article online left and right, and I couldn't find it. So I, I did a little extra investigating. I figured out which issue uh, the article had been printed in. And sure enough, it was in the spring 2004 Smoke magazine. And I was able to track down an actual print issue of that she magazine on eBay. From, uh, the, yeah, this guy, in, uh, this guy that collected antiques in Florida had a copy Jeez, of this magazine. <laughs> How did you So Okay, out? so let me... Let me let me give you some backstory on this day. So I got a separate phone call this day. And Randy was very excited. And he's like, oh, man. He starts telling me about Smoke Magazine. And, you know, that was where I found that article. And, and it's, it's since gone out of business. They're not even, uh, you know, the, the, the URL isn't even being used anymore. And I thought, oh, crap. Randy wants us to buy a magazine and start writing for this magazine and take it over. I was like, no, dude, that is a losing venture. I do not want, and Randy, I've never even told you this. That was the first thing I thought. I was like, there's no way we are buying this magazine and bringing it back to life. No, thank you. That's awesome. And not the worst idea, you know, like I said, I think there, there could stand to be more literature. But uh, but anyhow, I was able to track down this one. And, and it was funny because usually if you find an old episode or an issue of a magazine from a collector on eBay, they typically have you know, dozens of, you know, you know, they have a couple years worth because they had a subscription or whatever it was. This guy literally had one <laughs> issue of this magazine. Did you go to like an in, in search of group on uh, on magazines <laughs> on Facebook or something? I, I might have turned to that had I not found it on eBay. So anyhow, I picked it up. I read it with frequency. It's one of my favorite articles. And um, the, the article is called The Tale of Two Seeds, and it gives a, a great backstory to uh, not only the 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 origin of Criollo Corojo, Corojo 99, Cri uh, Criollo 98, uh, Habana 2000 is mixed in as, as how that worked in. And um, 
And so it's a fantastic story. And so I thought I would share it since we are covering uh, Corojo. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Criollo as uh, – because we have a structure of 32 episodes per season on Flavor Odyssey, uh, Rob and I figured uh, the six wrappers that were most prevalently uh, utilized, used in premium cigars today, and so Criollo didn't make the cut in, in our top six. And so I will touch just uh, briefly on Criollo and how uh, the origin story and uh, evolution of Corojo uh, is closely tied to Criollo as well. Um, uh, Rob, you are have no sound in my headset. Thank you. Uh, I have a question there. Thank, thank you. Look at this guy. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, it's amazing. Um, so I, I have a question. I have a question for the. I've got a question for the boys in Colorado. Yes, yes, we're here. <clears throat> so, after a quick Google search, and by quick I mean real quick. That's why I was muted because I was typing. I have found the story online. Should I tell Randy that it still exists online? No. Cut. No, there's no need way. To hear print. No. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing Stop. like print. It's just oh, in smoke it. signals at this point. Smoke but signals. It's, but it's, it's still it's it's still available online. You go, it's called the Tale of Two Seeds, right? I'm not talking to you for the rest of the show. And it's written uh, by, so, by Mark Bernardo. Gosh darn you. Yeah, it's still available. I no, I, I what I mean. I not is, found this. Randy this paid two hundred dollars for that magazine. This story would have been lost forever. Okay, that's it's, that's my story. If I'm you're interested, with... we can put a link up so you guys can read <laughs> it as well. That's well, nice. you know, you know what though, I, I'm glad you were able to find it. I'm a little disappointed in myself, but I would love to share the link. I think uh, it'd be great if anyone wants to read the whole story. I'm share the link in the chat right now while you're talking. So, uh, Corojo, uh, Corojo was actually a seed that was developed in the 1930s in the Vuelta Abajo region of uh, Cuba. And it was actually named after the farm in which it was developed, which was Santa Inés del Corojo. And it was a farmer by the name of Diego Rodriguez that actually took Criollo seeds. And uh, uh, in the 1930s, he took the best seeds from the best plants uh, harvest after harvest. And so Corojo was actually developed simply through seed selection of, of original Cuban Criollo. And then that's when the first uh, episode that we did on Corojo with uh, your buddy Dion, he kept referring to Criollo seeds. And the show was about Corojo. It was because uh, Corojo actually um, came from Criollo originally. Uh, the word criollo, by the way, means uh, native, and so it, it's not even a full term. You'd, you'd say it's a Cuban criollo or a Honduran criollo. Um, you know, the the San, San Andreas wrapper, it, it would be a, a Mexican criollo. Any time that a seed has a is an original uh, race breed from that uh, that area, it would be a criollo to that area. And so, um, so Diego Rodriguez uh, went ahead and got a divergent enough uh, variant of the criollo through seed selection that he ended up baptizing it uh, after his own farm uh, of Corojo. That being said, it was, since it was the best tobacco that he grew every year, 
What ended up happening, uh, you know, shortly after that in the 1940s and 50s, was that Corojo became the Cuban uh, preferential leaf for wrapper, and and the Criollo was the binder and filler. And so for a good 20, 30, 40 years, uh, that was the basic um, mix for uh, um, for Cuban cigars was the Corojo wrapper on a Criollo bunch. In the 1990s, uh, during the boom, they started paying more attention to some of the uh, tobacco ravaging diseases, such as blue mold, that uh, the Corojo had become uh, really well known for, and the, the Criollo as well. And so, uh, given the, um, <laughs> I hate you guys. Keep going. <laughs> no, I actually, uh, I actually, no, I actually love this information. This no, is, great. is it's spicy. Great. <laughs> um. So, uh, so Cuba set their genetic engineers in the 1990s off to try and develop a strain of tobacco that was less susceptible to some of these diseases that was destroying their yields and sometimes entire crops given the, um, the weather that year. So the first thing that they developed was called Habana 2000, which became extremely hot during the 1990s and the boom, and it was heavily marketed. Uh, ended up, you know, everyone started referring to it as Habana 2K. And uh, at the time, it was falsely rumored that that was a uh, Corojo and Connecticut Shade blend. The reality was, uh, what is he up to? uh, That that the Habana 2K was actually uh, Corojo uh, uh, genetically (laughs) spliced with uh, Bell 6110, which is uh, cigarette tobacco. Uh, but it was a very hearty cigarette tobacco, and so they were able to kind of blend that in to fight off some of the blue mold. Oh, which, uh, that is actually pretty interesting. Actually, that's pretty common for, like, hy- especially hybrids are, like, three-part hybrids. Oh, yeah. Really- well, and, and, and it, when it comes to the hybridizing, like, I, like, I've looked into all that. You know, you can take the Corojo and that Bell 6110, come out with a plant, and then uh, go back to Corojo so you can kind of force a more Corojo flavor profile while maintaining some of the genetics that uh, fight off some of those diseases a little hardier um, against those diseases. But after the uh, the boom, uh, the uh, Habana 2K had fallen out of uh, favor as the farmers and uh, fermenters were, were telling uh, telling everybody that it was very difficult to ferment. It had some bitterness uh characteristics that they couldn't quite blend out of it and uh it had burn issues it didn't burn very evenly <clears throat> thanks mike uh, the, uh <laughs> so uh so then they came out with corojo 99 and criollo 98 and so those are both uh derivatives of criollo not the original corojo at all the original corojo has nothing to do with Corojo 99. Oh, I, 99. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. It actually comes from the original Cuban Criollo. And so that's one of the things that uh, that uh, a lot of agronomists really uh, uh, kind of put their, their hat on is that uh, both Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 are, are actual um, derivatives of the original um the original strain of tobacco that they've traced all the way back that they believe that the original Cuban Criollo would have been what uh, Christopher Columbus uh, and his crew actually found 
there in 1492 um, when uh, they discovered Cuba. Um, so, moving right along. <laughs> now, if you turn in to section page eight, I literally like seven eighths done here. Um, so, so it's really interesting because once Kuroho 989 and Criolla 98 came out, Cuba literally pulled all original Cuban Criollo and Corojo. Uh, and so you literally would really, like, it'd be tough to actually find those original varietals found in Cuba today. And so it's a, kind of an amazing thing that um, Julio Eiroa uh, and his family was able to uh, smuggle over original Corojo seeds that they got from Daniel Rodriguez, who is the grandson of Diego Rodriguez, the original farmer that uh, developed oh, it. What? OG as OG gets. What? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I it, did not know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> article. You guys got to read this story. It's so fun. Because it comes right back to the cigar that we have in our hands right here as uh, as Aladino is a project between Julio Eroa and his son Justo uh, that created Aladino. And then their cigars, my understanding, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, but their the other brother, Christian Eroa, um, is actually the owner of the factory where Aladino is produced. Is that correct? The factory situation with those guys is very confusing. Yeah. I mean, the, that's, that's, that's why I threw it out most there. Most like, of uh, CLE's cigars in Honduras are listed as being rolled at El Aladino. And then you have the Aladino cigar from JRE being rolled at Las Lomas. Right? So, and, then, and sometimes they switch them around. And so I, I don't know. It might just be one factory that they just keep naming whatever they have want. A couple different names huh. for it. Yeah. So in any event, uh, um, you know, no one uh, other than Julio can really lay claim to um, to being able to to uh, you know, capture these seeds directly from Santa Inés de, de Corojo, the the originating farm. So I I thought that was pretty cool. There's a ton of stories that uh, Julio, Justo, and Christian have all done, um, talking about why Honduras made such uh, a great. Um, a great location for this tobacco <laughs> to grow. Well, it was really, really, really tough for everyone else, and that's why when, like, when we talk about um, Aganorsa tobacco, which was the dominant uh, tobacco in the first three cigars that we smoked for the Corojo series of episodes, all come from Nicaragua. They're all using the Corojo 99, but it's it's really interesting. <laughs> All right. So for, for, for those of you tuning in on podcasts, one of our uh, live viewers just commented, could you imagine tuning into the show as and playing a drinking game where every drink every time Randy says Corojo or Criollo, everybody, <laughs> everybody would be in the can at this point. So that was, he used more colorful language. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, that uh, is, is uh, no, Randy, I, it, everybody does give you a hard time. And I, I knew this was coming. Uh, but this is this is a really I, I haven't I do want to read this story. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Uh, but it is, uh, yeah, Obscure Tobacco Facts of 500, please. Uh, if, if I'm ever on a show that has beer questions, uh, wine questions, uh, distilling questions, even though you don't know anything about whiskey, um, <laughs> I, I will, or, or tobacco questions, you will be one of my lifelines, that is for sure. Um, but no, this is, uh, we, don't, we don't do this a lot on the show where we kind of go into... We need to do uh, it at least once for the, you know, per rapper, right? 
Yeah, I think we should. And and uh, I mean, we'll 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 work with Randy on his bullet points because <laughs> small consumable pieces, man. I'm telling you, once Andre starts eating steak, you cut him into really tiny little pieces. <laughs> so treat treat the audience like your infant child. Then there, that's. I mean, that's that's where my intention span is. I don't know about yeah. you guys. Yeah. But uh, no, that that's uh, that's some really interesting stuff, and you start to realize that how, like how authentic, mm. for lack of a better term, this and maybe that's that's a perfect that's term. perfect term. Yeah. How authentic this leaf really is, and even and this version of it in Honduras specifically, uh, because that I mean that came straight from. The guy who was the son of the guy who knew the guy that grew the thing originally back when Columbus, like, well, it had to be at least a few generations after Columbus, but couple, yeah, yeah couple. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, I had no idea that this, that this leaf was that authentic. And it's yeah. interesting is this is, this is Corojo, uh, Apuro to, to taste the difference between this cigar and the yeah. agony. Norsa versions that we've been smoking before right. and I don't know if it's uh, if Jordan just put this worm in my brain but I can't get away from that sourdough bread oh yes kind of note that really, I always get that with the with their with their Corojo it completely differentiates it from the other versions of this leaf that we've been smoking excuse me yeah it's few weeks yeah to, to me it's a lot nuttier than the Corojo 99 last three weeks as well um no, no, we'll we'll talk a little it's bit more about here. Really, there's there's more of a, I could well, this is like a, an amped up version, so there's probably a bit more uh, lejero in uh, you like that lejero, lejero. Uh, in in here than uh, than there was in the uh, the previous cigars that we're smoking. Um, but let's talk a little bit, Randy. We this is just going to be we're kind of winging it from here on out because th- these are just things that I want to talk about, and I'm hopeful that we can all chime in. But the first show that we did on Corojo um, was. We had Dion on, and I, I just, I adore his cigars. I just do. There's something about the way you guys feel about Aganorsa tobacco is how I feel about everything that Dion does, even though the bulk of it is, like all of it really is, for the most part, uh, Aganorsa tobacco. So I understand what you guys are saying. But he used that, and the way he explained the use of the wrapper was so, so different than I've really ever heard anybody else talk about. It's, I mean, he uses that kind of as his building block, to his spotlight, so to speak, to to look at all the rest of these tobaccos that are involved in his blend, and these other cigars, I think, are doing the opposite thing, uh, where they're they're using the binders and the fillers to elevate the wrapper, yep. and um, I think this one is kind of doing the same thing. Although this is really shining a light on Honduran Corojo uh, in general, because it is that uh, a puro, like you said. I, I just think it's really interesting that this wrapper or this leaf, I should say is so kind of versatile that you can use it to prop other things up. And I guess you can really do that with everything. Although you can't really do that with like a Connecticut Broadleaf or Mexican San Andreas. I mean, they kind of shine their own light. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, you make a fair point. I actually had a, a, a cigar for the first time here recently, the, um, the Room 101 Farce Maduro that actually uses Pennsylvania Broadleaf, San Andreas, um, and... Um, so it's got like all the like classic Maduro um, elements. I haven't, and, I haven't and you, smoked that, but it sounds like a massive, a massive flavor bomb. It is, but it's it's interesting that I would swear I can taste the difference of, of having both broadleaf and um, and the uh, San Andreas 
in the filler because there's some other great cigars that I absolutely love it when when you get those in combination. But they're usually uh, one's the binder, one's the wrapper where that uh, Forest Maduro is using um, basically what we typically think of as wrapper tobacco in the filler. And, and I feel like it kind of gives this this like other element of richness uh, and, and a little bit of sweetness as well sure. uh, to, to the blend. But uh, but I would say, you know, honestly, this is one of the more full flavored um, Honduran puros that I've ever smoked, like, like comparing it to, you know, most of my Honduran experience is coming from Camacho, um, which the Eroya family had originally uh, started uh, before selling to Davidoff and then creating CLE and JRE uh, respectively afterwards. As soon as you said Camacho, I'm reminded of when we... In season one, I think it was probably episode C, where we did the Camacho Diploma. And yep. I remember talking about that and how that cigar specifically tasted so Honduran to me. Mm -hmm. Like this, this just screamed Honduras. This does not. I agree. As, I agree with both. And, yeah. it's, and it's a Honduran Puro, which is Puro, sorry. Well, Puro. Uh, <laughs> but that's, to me, that just, that's, that's just an interesting, just... Yeah. I, I I also love just the difference between the regular Aladino and the, the one you guys are smoking. They're both just uh, Corojo Piros grown on the same farm. It's crazy. Yeah, I haven't smoked that one, at least not in a while, to where I can uh, say that the, the, the differences between the two. But this cigar, I, I think I've only had it a handful of times. And by a handful, I mean two or three. And it's fantastic every time I have it. I, I don't know why I, I don't have a box of them. Well, I'm, I'm like Jordan. I'm waiting for somebody to send me a free box of these. We need to be <laughs> stocked for free, okay? Come on. <laughs> well, so to, you, to your point, though, and, and going back to the pairing that, that we chose, um, we did want to you know, really focus on uh, closing out the Corojo episodes with um, – uh, a little bit deeper dive into the tobacco. So we didn't want to, uh, that's why we chose to do uh, the cocktails and the spirits um, uh, previously and go with, um, like like you said, a simple but solid and very, very good uh, pairing in doing a porter beer um, that's going to have some of those chocolate notes and it's going to really um, should resonate well with this cigar and should like like amplify some of those flavors rather than uh, detract from them or, or highlight the, the beverage more. Um, so, Randy, I've got a question for the audience. And I'm throwing kind of a curveball here. And you might not like me asking this question, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I'll say I'll speak for myself personally. When we're, we're getting ready for our next wrapper and we're putting together our um, – our uh, pairings for the next wrapper. And we all will announce later what uh, wrapper we're doing, the first episode and the guests that we're gonna have uh, because that is finalized. But um, I feel a little bit of pressure for us to include a beer. Do you feel that way? It's a roots, um, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean I, I, pressure, I think it's an obvious one. That might that be it, an overstatement, but yeah, I, I feel I, like of the four pairings, one of them should be a beer. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when we first started coming up with this concept, we talked about, you know, mixing it up and not just doing beer. So I could see us going through an entire wrapper without a beer. I, I don't think it would be like, um, you know, off-putting or startling to, to the audience, you know. Feel free, audience, to uh, jump guess, in. And that was get, my question was, yep. uh, sorry, I keep, I keep cutting you off. You pointed it out last week, and now I just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Master Roach. Can we just start calling him that from now on? 
That's just Sensei Master, Master Mooch. Mooch. We're both yeah. masters <laughs> of something. It, yeah, you just got you just got promoted. <laughs> I like it. Um, so yeah, to the audience, like, do you feel like we need to have a beer for every rapper? Are we forcing it? Like, I don't know if we are. Um, I just feel like we talk about beer a lot, um, <clears throat> but with this episode, we're barely talking about the beer. So that does maybe afford us an opportunity to talk more about the tobacco. But if we had another pairing, maybe Randy doesn't have his 20-minute soapbox. <laughs> so maybe there's, there's positives and negatives. <laughs> you guys seem to be more into porters than we, we are. are. Is that... Oh, wow. you, guys, you guys chimed in at the same I'm time. I'm not a you. big porter uh, guy. I just got to be honest with you. I'm I don't think big... I've ever liked a porter before. Have you had the anchor porter? I think so. Uh, track it down and try it again. It really yeah. I feel like uh, goes well. I feel like Porter was just like their stouts, and then they were just like Porters were like, oh, this was good until we came up with stouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you feel? You might so, not be wrong. <laughs> so what I what I would always say is that that you know malt forward beers are going to go better with cigars as a very loose and general rule. So that that gives you you know anywhere from box to ambers to porters to browns to stouts. Um, and outside of stout, is stouts the only one that you do like with cigars, or, or do you like a brown ale? Oh, brown I, ale over there. I like a lot of beers with cigars. Okay. Uh, I think the only style I can pretty much tell you that I don't, I've never liked, is a porter. Interesting. Maybe you just haven't had a good one. I, Randy, and oh. I, I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll freely admit that uh, a porter for me is kind of a, a catch-all. Uh, when it comes to pairing with cigars, porters and brown ales are kind of a catch-all. I mean, we've we've had the the Cigar City Maduro on the show seventeen times. <laughs> so it is it, that is, and I almost I almost I could bring one out of the fridge just for the hell of it. But um, I I'll, no, I'll agree, and that's and that's maybe that's kind of why I posed the question was we we talked about this and it was say oh god saisons are terrible saisons are great. I'm, oh, I'm with you, Tanner. We'll mix them in this season. No, and we should because. And Randy and I had this conversation on the phone the other day, and it's and I'm wearing a perfect shirt for it because Randy said well, the two of us need to sit down and we'll have a saison uh, together, and I can explain to you why I think they're whatever you said, some flowery verbiage about how phenomenal they are, and they're like scrumptious sweat of the gods or something. I don't know what you said. Uh, and I said, perfect. We'll do that. And then after we're done, you and I can sit through, you know, I, I use The Exorcist as an example, but maybe we'll go with the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and, it, and I'll explain to you why horror movies are awesome. And I think that kind of gave Randy some some feeling as to how much I really don't like Saison. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll never watch Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it's really, it's fair. Um, but no, it's, it, there is, and I feel like, and maybe I'm bringing this up because I feel like we just kind of mailed in this pairing a little bit. And it wasn't, and I shouldn't say mailed in. We did it intentionally because I knew Randy had this article. He wanted to talk about it. And this is great information. And I wanted to hear about it because I haven't read the article yet. But I don't know. Moving forward, maybe we just won't feel the pressure to uh, to go with uh, with a beer. I don't know. That was kind of a 10-minute segue that we didn't necessarily need to have. But Agreed about that. But uh, but I'll tell you, you, <laughs> you bring, uh, well, you bring killer like recipes. Like, <laughs> it's like when you get down to the bottom of the ocean. I really I need to go back and watch the episode where I, I made the ocean analogy because we make fun of it. I don't even remember what it was. It had to have been like the second episode. I I, I, was, I start with it was a. good. It was yeah, a good. It was uh, awful. It was, good. it was it was a. It, the show almost came to a screeching halt. Uh, 
The um, uh, I'll tell you though the oh and I lost my train of thought, but uh, uh, I do love saisons. They oh, they they, yeah. they go so fantastic with um with food. I I do want to find some uh, really nice combinations where we can present a saison as a fantastic pairing for a cigar. Um, what I was gonna say though is if you continue to bring great recipes like you did last week on that old Cuban. We can just stick with cocktails constantly. That was, uh, as long as you don't add the champagne, that was weird. Uh, It was delicious. It sets it off. No, it was great. The champagne was was great. A killer. Oh Oh, my gosh. But Randy, what you need to do though, is you make your drink, you shake it up, you pour it into your glass and then you get a next one. That's ready to get a next one. Next one. That's ready to go. And then when you're done, you just put ice in there, you shake it, pour it, and you're good. That's what I Randy, And then you put a big wad learn? of mint leaves in your mouth, you chew them up, and then you take a swig of it, and that's how Robbie actually likes it. Word. It was great. It was great. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got small mint leaves. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> At least you're mad enough to admit it. I, I am. I'm mad enough to admit it. So let's, now, let's, uh, I've let's, been using the okay. Lajero priming of my mint leaves. Mm, <laughs> interesting. What do you guys think? Uh, and occasionally, uh, like I'll get like a medio tiempo one. I uh, just like this oh. offshoot, and I'll stick yeah, that in a drink, and it'll just. You, I'm more of I'm more of a, you, a mint seco guy. You can't use the velado of it. No, it's there's too, no flavor. There's no initial <laughs> flavor. No, I don't. Did you just say Tony Bellato? What? <laughs> um. All right. So so moving on, I, I, we 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 should talk a little bit about the the Let's flavor talk about differences. Yeah. Um. Well, I was gonna say uh, uh, on the on you know comparing so the first three cigars that that we smoked for Corojo were all uh, Agonorsa Corojo ninety nine um, uh, forward flavor profiles. Uh, what would you guys say? You know, let's do a round robin. How, how would you differentiate the flavor comparisons from the the Honduran original Corojo and the uh, Nicaraguan Corojo ninety nine? Well, I'm I'm gonna jump Question. in and, and steal uh, uh, Jordan's answer of the sourdough bread because I can't I can't get it uh, out of my head. There is that rhymes. There is um, the the way that it kind of settles on the on the tongue. It kind of activates the taste on the sides of my tongue and, and kicks in a little bit of salivation, um, and kind of in a way that something sour really would do. Uh, I could feel it right now just on the sides. This, but the flavor is also a lot more robust. And kind of uh, earthier, mm-hmm. I think, at least in in this particular cigar, mm-hmm. than in the others. The others I, I felt were more on the. Uh, I don't want to say they were more elegant because then that sounds like this isn't. Um, they were maybe a little less rustic. Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yep. I've never uh, described the flavor of rustic. Rustic. <laughs> well, rustic to me is like, easy. it's it's kind of earth forward, right? There's this no, is much, I agree. This is definitely spicier on a pepper uh, uh, standpoint. There is a lot more black pepper, white pepper, and even red pepper in this cigar than in any of the other cigars that we had. I would say, in my opinion, the difference, the big difference is uh, the Agonorsa versions of Corojo are more graham crackery sweet, yep. and this is more salty sourdough, uh, like Jordan said. So th- that, to Rust- me, that's to me, is the big difference is the is with, you go agonorsely if you're going to get that graham crackery sweetness, and this you're not going to really get any graham crackery sweetness at all. 
Uh, they're both fantastic, just in different ways. But and Robbie, that is a good point that you brought up about the actual sensations you're getting on the on the tongue. A lot. Of t- it's sometimes guys forget to like you can I- instead of retrohaling, just put it in your mouth. That don't. That sounded <laughs> weird. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> saying anything. And and then forget the retrohale and just see what what as- what parts of the tongue are being Activated. triggered. Um, yeah. And th- yeah, this one's on the back back sides. A lot of like uh, acidic kind of stuff, uh, buttermilk and uh, sourdough, like we were talking about before. I think this also has more uh, pepper. And yeah, I agree. The the especially the jalapa agonorsa stuff is more absolutely sweet and graham cracker. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I, I took from uh, my time with Mombacho is I did uh, several of the uh, uh, tastings with uh, Claudio Scroy, who's the master blender for Mombacho, and he he really talks about uh, like the, the, you get a little like a sheet and you're smoking piritos. It's like it's a tasting just like every other tasting. But he kind of focuses more on instead of flavor, like the sensations that you're getting and the, the different parts of your your palate and the and, and, and your tongue that are activated yep. when you're smoking specific styles. So I, I, I always think of I don't say always, but since then, I think of tobacco in that way where it's what part of my palate is being activated? Am I tasting, like, is it, it's like the sides of my tongue, so I'm tasting a little bit of kind of tartness and a little bit of sour, which sounds negative, but it's, it's not. It's a very pleasant flavor, especially when combined with the kind of earthy and spiciness of this. And the, the activation of your uh, of salivating really does kind of clear your palate as well. So it's, it, it, it does more than just provide flavor. It's, uh, it's kind of cleansing things uh, as they go. So the next time you take that puff, your, your, mouth isn't, you're not, your mouth isn't dry. You're not drying out your palate by any means. It's, you you want to have uh, that uh, saliva kind of activated in your mouth and, and really uh, working uh, to kind of clear your palate for that next, that next puff. Yeah, I, I feel like um, it's easy to think that you want sweetness in a cigar, in any cigar. You want to find the sweetness. But the more I smoke, the more I want the acidic and salty aspects to be there. Salty, yeah. It's the same thing with beer. When you, you get so many, uh, like, IPAs that are, you know, hop forward, I want something that's a bit maltier. I want to go on to the other side of the spectrum. And then sometimes when I'm drinking too much malty stuff, maybe I want to drink a sour beer that is totally on the, just completely resets the palate because it's completely different than everything else. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more into sours uh, a little bit later in the show, but um, just that's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to, I love like uh, that kind of graham crackery sweetness with a little bit of spice, kind of elegant flavor profile that's delicate, that has a lot of different things happening. But I also want to have like a big flavor bomb sometimes that has a ton of Esteli spice to it and, and is really kind of over the top. But something like this really does change the mode of, uh, of smoking for me. It really activates different parts of my palate than, than other cigars do. Robbie, when we did the um, Aganorsa Leaf uh, Reviver with Atlantic Cigars a few years ago, uh, that was the thing that we told them that we wanted was we wanted that graham crackery sweetness to be like the main player of that cigar. And it was. And, and I think that when you taste things like the Agonorsa Signature Series, um, even the uh, Lunatic Torch, you're going to get that same sort of sensation, that real nice graham crackery sweetness. But it's funny because 
Randy, I know you did. You know, you did your the whole thing on Corojo, which was great. We teased you, but it was it was great. It's so interesting that this rapper can be so different in these two different growing regions. Like this, just seems like it's a completely different, totally different leaf. Yeah. Well, leaf it kind of like, almost is, if like yeah. what Randy was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- this one re- really varies, and, and I think um, you know it's interesting. Again, going back to Camacho and the Arroyo family had actually started Camacho, and they uh, were adamant. I think that they, they actually wanted purchased ju- Camacho. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, just, they, I'm just throwing but, that out there. No, no, that's fair. They introduced the the exclusive use of original Corojo uh, into the lines of Camacho under their um, under their watch. And, you know, going down and visiting Camacho, uh, we know that they still do use some of the or, original uh, Corojo, but they also work with the Corojo 99. Uh, so it'd be interesting to try two different um, uh, Honduran uh, puros uh, that are going to be focused on the original Corojo versus Corojo 99. But it's, it's kind of interesting, and it goes back to uh, something we talked about with Nick Perdomo for the Connecticut episodes, was that, well, uh, you know, historically, when we use these terms to reference a varietal, um, it's, you know, it becomes known and synonymous with a single origin. So Connecticut shade, as we've always known it, you believe it's, and it did start in Connecticut, the state of Connecticut here in the United States, but so much of the production has moved to Ecuador. Uh, historically, you'd call it Ecuadorian Connecticut, but because it's become the majority of Connecticut produced, it's now just Connecticut. Uh, you know, you kind of see the same thing with Corojo, where a lot of times they won't bother calling it Corojo 99. They'll just reference Corojo, um, typically referring to that Corojo 99 because it's now the majority of production. And so you actually have to denote original Corojo. Which, that is annoying for me trying to add cigars and dojo verse and cigar mm-hmm. wars because it's very hard to tell when they meant Corojo 99 right. or they said Corojo. I just have to take mm-hmm. them at their word. Like Padron. Yeah. I, in Cigar Wars and, and dojo verse, Padron is listed as a Nicaraguan puro. Nicaraguan puro. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just follow the press release. Exactly. But, you know, you know, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, uh, a lot of times when we all give our, our feedback, we come up with different um, flavor descriptors. And these two uh, leaves it, from these two different origins are so, so, you know, uh, resounding in their flavor profile. We're all in perfect agreement that, you know, while this one has more of a of a peppery, like a black pepper or even a little bit of a red pepper where the. Uh, the Agonorsa Corojo 99 has uh, not only that sweetness, but its spice is more uh, of like a baking spice, a little bit more cinnamon characteristic, where I believe um, maybe it was the torch that we were smoking last week that I said you get virtually no um, black pepper, even in yeah. the retrohale, that it just stays that very kind of subtle, sweet um, baking spice character. Yeah, I think that's that's ultimately why we left this one for last. Yeah, is to we didn't want to kind of break up those those mm-hmm. three different uh, and they were agonorsa forward cigars and we knew that but uh, we we and they were also three cigars that used kind of the same leaves that expressed them not vastly differently but different enough to where yep. you don't feel like you're smoking the exact same stuff. This is left field completely because it's a, it's totally different. And I'll be I'll be completely honest. Of the four that we've smoked, this one is my least favorite. 
Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So you prefer that sweeter, kind of softer uh, spice character. I do. I do. Uh, now, uh, this is still very good, but the others are, are next level stuff for me. This is, we're not smoking the same cigar as you, but I would put this as number two behind the hot, hot 10. Hoats. Hoats, Hoats and boats. <laughs> Hoats and That's a good way to remember it. Yeah, they, they remember that. <laughs> so let's, Randy, let's get into this pairing a little bit. Um, I think the intensity, as far as flavor is concerned, is kind of spot on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, medium full uh, in, in both body and flavor, uh, neither running over each other. Uh, I think they have a similar flavor uh, coming with... Uh, that nuttiness, that that deeper uh, earthy character, um, yeah, my, mine's a, a perfect, um, you know, resonating uh, pairing here. You going I, thumbs up, Randy? Thumbs up, Randy. I am uh, going thumbs down. Ooh, oh, what? Interesting. We got because split vote. The the, uh, the there's there's no flavor hook here for me. It, with this particular uh, porter that I'm drinking, which por- Randy, did you even say which porter you're drinking? Yeah, it was when you were frozen up. I I went with the Deschutes Black Butte. Oh, beautiful! Uh, I've got that in the fridge, actually. I should. Uh, um, oh no, I have the Obsidian Stout. Thank you for it. Um, this to me, that that sour dough thing gets a little bit intensified uh, by the beer. So like, I've been taking sips, uh, a lot of sips of Topo in the middle. Uh, it's, there's just no flavor hook for me with these, with these two components. They're both very good on their own. Um, I would prefer a stout, I think with this, uh, Corojo Reserva, maybe something that's, you you could either go with like an earthier stout or something that's a bit sweeter, uh, to go contrasting flavors, kind of balance each other out. Um, I, the main thing I was thinking when I got a few sips into my, uh, my founders was that, uh, and we talked about this, Randy is uh, maybe just going straight rum i think we haven't we haven't done straight rum uh, yeah have we no no we haven't uh, so that was i wish maybe we would have gone just straight straight rum with this it would have been uh, much more uh, to, to up to my speed where i would have enjoyed it a lot more because that sweetness from the rum would have offset these spicy characters that i'm getting from the cigar maybe that sourness wouldn't have been uh, so uh, uh, as highly spotlighted as it is with this pairing for me so no. yeah thumbs down for me unfortunately did you guys actually tell us back in Colorado what you were drinking today? Okay, so we got... Um, here we go. Who, who makes this? Denver Beer Company uh, Graham Cracker Porter. And it's just way too sweet for the cigar. Um, yeah, I, I would I would agree probably with that. Yeah. yeah the I mean, Graham Cracker. I, it sound, it sounds like it should be a good pairing. Because, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of the Corojos, you're going to get the, the Graham Cracker. It's just not. Um, it's... it's Sounds like it's got some lactose in it too, probably. Probably, I think it does, and I, which is going to add to some sweetness to it, so that might kind of throw things out of whack. I'd be much more in line. I mean, with most cigars, but especially this, I, I don't know if I'd go rye or bourbon on this. Um, yeah. But you know, rye, the, the, the caramel kind of stuff. Going yeah, I'm also drinking bourbon, bourbon is, too, Jordan, and it's great. It's perfect with yeah, this. I got Elijah Craig going, and it tastes delicious. So if, yeah. if, if that's a better pairing. I don't if, know what beer. If you're keeping score, go with the bourbon. I don't know what, what beer would you go with, though, if you're going to go with something ideal. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, have, to, I have to do some experimentation. Yeah. You know. uh, well, okay, so, uh, Eric, you asked us on the first couple, and I've really enjoyed it. So let's, let's uh, 
do the rundown. What what was the best Corojo pairing that we did out of the four? Yeah, I, I want to hear what uh, Robbie has to say. I, I can kind of guess, but uh, let's yeah. hear what he says. I, I can't remember what I said last week. I think I said that I liked the root beer the best. Mm-hmm. Um, those first three cigars with those first three pairings. So we did um, root beer. What was the second pairing that we did? That would be the rye, the straight rye. Oh, we did rye, right. And then we did the, the cocktail. They were all very, very good. I, I, any order that I'm going to put them in are going to be, it's one, one A, and one B. True, sure. Yeah. Uh, if, if I had to go with one, I know I said the, the root beer last time, and it might just be that was my favorite cigar that we smoked. I'd probably go with the cocktail. That, oh. it, was, it was probably the most fun of the three. So, so if it's a toss-up, I'm going to go with what I think is the most fun. And that for me was was uh, my favorite. This one comes in last, obviously, because it's a thumbs down. Yeah, Eric, George. Yeah, I I think. Well, I I love that cocktail that Robbie came up with. Yeah. So that it could have been the old Cuban. Um, Let's see, we have we have the cocktail, yeah. we have the rye, we have the root beer, we have the porter. That's it, right? I I would probably go I, for me. I'd probably go the cocktail, and then the rye, yeah. but I might slip in a bourbon instead. And then uh, root beer, and then finally this porter. Yep. Yeah. That's probably the order I would go in. I know I said root beer first last time, but like I said, they're kind of interchangeable. But We're, we're those, used to you things. being wishy-washy. It's fine. Yeah, it's kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're all in agreement. saying, yeah, that, that old Cuban was was very fun. It had that bright characteristic, had that depth and, and, and uh, higher uh, kind of caramelly sweetness. Uh, to to the rum, uh, yeah, I thought that was um, my favorite, and I'm I'm with Eric and Jordan saying yeah, then rye, then the root beer. Um, this one, well, I do give it a thumbs up. I think this is a, a, a A1 pairing. If you if you're playing along at home, um, it would be my fourth ranked as well. Now, I, to answer uh, Tanner's question, if I have any say on it, it's never going to make an appearance. <laughs> uh, he said Dr Pepper cream soda. That that just sounds like let's. Uh, Let's just suck on a sugar cube for an hour and a half with some does, with some, well, some syrup on top of that. Doesn't like, it seem like Dr Pepper is like a really popular pairing out yeah, there? Yeah, and he, yeah, even even Dion said yeah, that, Dion that would have been his, it would oh, have been right, his yeah. preference. Uh, and it's because we got so much feedback on that on the the social webs, if you will, um, I went and I I thought you know what I, I was probably a teenager the last time I had Dr Pepper. I thought I'd give it a try, and I couldn't jive with the ingredients in it and so i was able to find um what i think is going to be the the closest that i'm willing to go uh to, to that and so i found me some henry weinhardt's vanilla cream soda that uses actual uh sugar cane as the sweetener rather than um man-made not, stuff that our bodies don't dr. know how to process pepper, though no, no, it's, <laughs> it's like a totally different drink. It's not even close. Yeah. Just, no, you know, I went, right. I got the Dr. Pepper, and I said, you know what? Instead, I'm going to just drink a bourbon. <laughs> That's, a, That's fair, bourbon. too. Uh, yeah, and I don't believe you. That, now, Randy, what, nobody reaches for a soda and says, wow, this is going to be good for me. So there's, <laughs> there's that. Uh, and I had said this uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, that Dr. Pepper is really the only soda that I drink. I don't drink much yeah. soda at all. But uh, I guarantee you there's at least two or three Dr. Peppers in my cabinet over here if I, could, if I wanted to grab one. Because it's really the only one that I like. Um, but I don't, drink, I don't drink soda very often. Um, I have paired that with several different cigars. With Maduro's, oh, man. So when we get into uh, the Maduro side of things, 
uh, we can bring one of those in. I, I'm not going to go so far as to do the Dr. Pepper cream soda. Maybe you can um, talk us into it. It was Tanner that said that. I don't even know what that um, means. Yeah. Is he mixing them? I, I, that's what I, I'm assuming is it's like a no, Dr. No, Pepper I, and a cream I, soda. Or I've seen posts on, on Dojoverse, and it was probably by uh, Tanner. It's actually a line extension from Dr. Pepper. They have a vanilla cream um. verse. Yeah, so it's, so it's no. not Dr. Pepper with cream soda on top of that. It's it's an actual cream soda. Yes. Are you guys okay, uh, can, are, are you guys Pepsi work. guys or Coke guys? Coke. Oh, come on. Of course, right? I, Coke. I, I was Oh, yeah. Coke, Coke hands down. Uh, you you never, back when you used to be able to go to restaurants, you never went in and, and ordered like, oh, can I get a Pepsi? Can I get a cola? Because no one would ever say that. But no one's ever going to say, hey, I have Coke. Is that okay? No, but no, a good chunk of the, well, a good chunk of the country actually would just walk in and order pop. But uh, no, I digress. In, in Texas, uh, they just say, "I'll have a Coke," and then they say, uh, "What kind?" Like that's just what the pop is. It's just it's right. called Coke. Uh, All pop is Coke. All right. Well, uh, we didn't discuss this, but if I could, guys, uh, I, I was uh, I was talking to some uh, some of our our uh, audience members, and they had pointed out that it has become. Um, more and more difficult to quickly uh, get their hands on some of the cigars. And so I was wondering if you guys thought it was appropriate for us to list um, our next wrapper cigars on this episode rather than wait the extra week to give everybody a chance to get their hands on those cigars. I think it's totally appropriate, Randy, if you have the list in front of you because I don't. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, so this has been fantastic. We've enjoyed the heck out of this. So we started with uh, Connecticut, moved to Corojo. Our next wrapper focus uh, for four episodes after next week's wild card will be Sumatra. Ooh. That is the Sumatra wrapper. And um, and I think uh, Rob has a little bit of information and breaking news on how that uh, wrapper is going to get kicked off. But the four cigars that we will smoke you're, for the Sumatra. You're, bar- you're burying the lead here, but go ahead. All right, why don't you tell us uh, tell us about how we're going to kick off Sumatra, Rob? So I'll follow gonna, up with the other, other cigars. Please do. We're uh, ready. You hate me so much. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Uh, so next week we've got a wild card episode. Uh, a, a bit of breaking news is I I won't be here for next week's episode, and we'll get into that in a minute. So that's going to be uh, uh, Randy with uh, the boys back in Colorado. We're going to be holding down the fort while I am on assignment next week. Um, but, uh, coming back on August 5th, which if you don't know is Randy's birthday. So get those bombs in the mail now. Uh, <laughs> if you need his address, I have it. Um, so get those in the mail now. Uh, they'll get there, uh, in time for his, uh, his birthday. Randy, you're turning 18, 19, actually 19. Good for yes, you. Yes. But, 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 but I, I read at the level of a 23 year old. So you, you don't, you don't look a day over fabulous, my friend. Um, so we are going, so we're kicking off specifically with an Ecuadorian Sumatra in, uh, the first episode. <laughs> Hi, Patrick. <laughs> well, he, he loves that middle finger emoji, doesn't he? He loves it. Um, the, uh, so we're kicking off, uh, with Ecuadorian Sumatra. We are going to be smoking the Tatuaje TAA 2020 release. And, uh, we will have none other than Pete Johnson on the episode with us. I'm very excited. Pete is one of my personal favorites. Um, and, uh, if you know a little bit more about Pete, he's not only a cigar guy, he's a big wine guy. So we are going to be pairing with wine, 
and we're going red wine. We're going with a, uh, a Zinfandel. Oh, yes. Going- that's my yeah, oh, we are? That's well. my jam, baby. I, I, knew, I knew Eric was going to be excited about that one. So we're going with the Tatuaje TAA 2020 um, and a, uh, a Zinfandel. I'm not sure what I'm going to be drinking yet. I'm sure Pete will be drinking something that's better than what we're all drinking. But that's okay because he makes the stuff. Um, so that's going to be Does a lot Pete of fun. Does Pete make a Zinf? Oh, I, I thought he was like a Bordeaux guy. Ah, oh, whatever. I, what's the difference? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, now, I, 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 Randy, Randy could tell us the difference because he invented both. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if you don't have the TAA 2020, I know it's not the easiest cigar to find. So I've, I've gone through, and Pete has used Ecuadorian Sumatra uh, a lot. Um, I he used it on the Wolf. So the if you can find like an original Wolf, probably gonna be tough to find. But there's the the Skinny Wolf, the Wolfie, the little ones, all those different. Uh, the Hide is the same thing. He uses the wrapper on that one. Uh, CQ1 and CQ2 both feature. Uh, excuse me, Ecuadorian Sumatra. Uh, I know Jordan, you just did a review on the CQ2. Robbie, where do you land on CQ2 versus TAA 2020? Oh, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting question. Off the top of my head, I would go CAA 2020. Me too. It's excellent. I think the problem with the CQ2 was that it wasn't the same as CQ1. Right. And CQ1 is one of my favorite cigars that I've ever smoked. Exactly. So it was kind of, in my opinion, that cigar was kind of set up to fail. Because um, you have an expectation that's up here. And maybe the cigar gets here, but it still doesn't get here. So if it was called something else... I probably would have enjoyed it more. I think that goes into kind of the placebo of things. Yeah. Sometimes smoking without the band on it is helpful. You don't really know what you're smoking. You can just enjoy it for what it is. Um, there's a couple other that I've got here in my notes. There's uh, the Kanoho. Uh, the yeah. Kahono. Kahono. That comes in a couple of different wrappers, but the Sumatra. Uh, also the Little Boris, which uh, at some point we will have a review <laughs> on the of the Little Boris. Um uh, both versions of that cigar uh, feature that as well. So uh, hopefully some of you, 150% of you, have at least one of those in your humidor. If not, talk to Randy. I'm sure he'll help you out. Absolutely. Uh, so Hit me up. I've got a ton of them. Actually, uh, no, I've, I've got all of them, too. So if you need, just yeah. um, at me, as the kids used to say. So uh, that's fantastic. Thank you for that uh, tremendous booking, Rob. This has been very exciting. Um, hey, we don't screw around when it comes to guests. Yeah, no, you know, we. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, if we were going to bring guests on for the first time in season two, we wanted to, you know, swing for the fences and really bring in uh, the all-star of all-star list of, of guests and uh, for the third straight rapper, we are hitting on all cylinders, starting out with Nick Perdomo, going to Dion Giolito, and now moving uh, to uh, oh, to Pete Johnson. Yeah, yeah. The, the, these are some, some of the better blenders on the planet right now with these specific uh, leaves and, and varieties of tobacco. So very exciting to have Pete on here. Uh, we will get back. Thing, Randy, real quick before you go on. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Yeah, you uh, do that. But, well, it's, it's because you're so good at what you're saying. You give me stuff that I want to talk about. So you're doing a very good job. So, so the more I take the notes and then say it when I'm done. But that's the, fine. It's the good. more it's the good. more I cut you off, the better you're doing. Um, so with with Pete, everybody, when when you say what what does Pete do really well? What's what do you think of when you think of Tatuai? Everybody's gonna say broadleaf. 
Broadleaf, Broadleaf, Broadleaf. And Pete uses Broadleaf very well. Uh, we, we happen to have a different guest for Broadleaf that we'll get into later. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to have Pete on the show, and I really even wanted to have him talk about this specific leaf um, ahead of Broadleaf, because he talks about Broadleaf all the time. And this is a, a leaf that I think he uses exceptionally well, but nobody really talks about Sumatra, Ecuadorian Sumatra, right. really all that much. So, and it's one of my favorite rappers. I know that was on the, um, oh, what was the review that I did? I've only done two of them. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, Delirium. Oh, yeah. The Diesel Delirium featured the Ecuadorian Sumatra rapper and used it exceptionally well. It's a fantastic rapper and just let it shine, right? And they did a great job of that. It was a really good cigar. And, and Pete, I think, does uh, he doesn't use it a ton, but when he uses it, it's super successful as far as I'm concerned. So I'm, I'm happy to have him on and talking about something that maybe he doesn't always talk about. Yeah, no, it's a, it's pretty cool that we had actually already had identified him as the guy we wanted to kick off Sumatra before the TAA 2020 released. Yeah, and true. so and so, um, Just, I, 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 I know, you know, fire. I had to beg you to pivot to the TAA 2020. You fought me on it, but I'm, I'm really glad that you acquiesced, and uh, we're gonna get to, to do that on my birthday, as you said. So that's, uh, that, that'll be a lot of fun. And don't forget, it's Randy's birthday, August 5th. <laughs> and like I said, if it gets your bombs in the mail, if you need his address, I'll help you out. Um, so or we send are send them to me, and I'll deliver them personally. Oh right, right. <laughs> like like you did those uh, birthday uh, cigars for my so son. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's funny cause you said that, you know, people don't talk as much about Sumatra. You're, it's, it almost sounds silly when you hear the next three cigars that we're going to smoke because they're all ultra well-known, ultra well-respected. And, and I feel like, uh, the Sumatra wrapper is just a, a little bit of a, of a under, under referenced, uh, uh, component to these blends as, uh, we're really. The next one after TAA uh, because um, it ha is near and dear to uh, Cigar Dojo's heart as we will then move on to the Dogma Sungrown. Ooh. Yeah, baby. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which also what? uses the Sumatra wrapper. Um, so, again, sticking with uh, some really fun stuff. It's been enjoyable for both Rob and I as uh, Jordan and Eric show a ton of integrity by never reviewing cigars that they uh, help to, to bring to market. And so that we get to kind of cover them and talk about them. Uh, to me, it's kind of fun that, that we get to add that back to um, Cigar Dojo because I, I, I know everyone out there in the community wants to hear more about this cigar and, you know, especially when it comes to how do you get your hands on one of those samurai swords? This is insane. It's a katana. Yeah, I've Thank never you very much, it. Randy. Oh, pardon me. Katana. Pardon me. Oh, uh, you, katana? You, That's you, ha you have one, though. I think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when you say that. Uh, but you Us? do have uh, Dogma Sun Grown in a package that you picked up from my house last week. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after the Dogma Sungrown, we will be smoking the Oliva V mm. Melania. Ooh. Uh, Melania. Is it Melania? It's Melania. Melania. That's a, that's, that's a cigar that as some people may have not heard of. <laughs> no, that thing is – that's number one cigar, right? It, it, from it's, how, it's, four years ago, five years ago? Cigar Aficionado has given it number one eight times. <laughs> and I was going to say, really? No, it's possible. It's, it's in the top ten virtually every year that I, that I that I've been and, an adult. And, and <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, there's there's plenty of reason for it. That's a fantastic cigar. 
from uh, from a brand that, again, I've talked about this before. For me, it's easy to overlook uh, uh, Oliva as a brand, but they make so many really good cigars. And that that V Milano is right up at the top. Are we smoking the Perfecto? What size? Yeah, yeah, that that uh, that that box press Perfect double yeah. Perfecto. That's sexy as hell. Was, it's just a sexy cigar, right? Um, and then we'll finish off uh, the Sumatra wrapper with the Ashton Virgin Sun Grown. Whoa. The baby. Yeah. We, we're bringing some heavy hitters again for Sumatra. Um, we do not play around this, on flavor. This is going to be an expensive round. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, very exciting. And, again, we're, we're thrilled to have uh, Pete coming on. And now to get back to uh, to something you had mentioned, Rob, you're, you're not going to be joining us next week. Why don't you tell us where you're going to be, pal? So um, I have been working uh, for the San Francisco Giants uh, since 2006, Randy, 2006. This is my 15th season. Holy that's cow. Older than, that's older than you. Definitely older than Jordan. Oh, definitely. 15th season. Uh, so baseball's happening. Who would have thought, right? There's uh, nobody's going to be in the stands, um, but uh, we're doing it anyway. Huh. So uh, I, I run the digital scoreboard for the San Francisco Giants, uh, which is a, a fancy way of saying I press buttons. Uh, but <clears throat> I will be at the ballpark uh, that, that Wednesday. Um, there is going to be some kind of there's some flexibility in my schedule coming up. There's, there's definitely weeks where I will not be here with the show, uh, but I'm leaving it in very capable hands of uh, Randy and, and uh, Eric and Jordan to, uh, to run everything in my absence. I don't have a specific uh, schedule yet. It's kind of everything's still a little bit in flux with uh, COVID and everything like that. So um, there are going to be some weeks where Randy won't, Randy will be running the show and uh, that explains the gray in my beard. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's yeah, Chad. I've been doing it, like I said, since uh, 2006. So I worked World Series games. I actually have a World Series ring. What? Um, I do. I have one. It's got my name on it. What? Just one from 2012. I didn't get the. Wow. That's yeah, cool. I in, walked in World Series parades and high five strangers back when you, we were allowed to touch each other, and uh, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've been a lifelong Giants fan, so um, I actually once I started this, I always said I'd, I'd quit doing it once we won a World Series or I went senile. And I wasn't sure which one was going to come first. And clearly the World Series did. But it's, you know, every year I figure, ah, maybe I'll pull back. But this is kind of an historic season. Um, there's, it's 60 games. It's a sprint. Any team can win it. It's kind of exciting. Now they're talking about maybe expanding the playoffs to uh, several more teams. So it could get a lot more fun. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of the, uh, the long and short of, of my upcoming schedule. So a little bit of flexibility, but I'll do my best to, uh, to be here for as many episodes as I can. I know for a fact there's five that I'm going to miss, but uh, the the rest of them, hopefully, I will be able to be here. Fantastic. Yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting running it without you, Rob. We'll, we'll miss you, and we'll uh, look, look forward to all your tales of uh, hanging out and working in an empty stadium uh, <laughs> upon your return. It's a little weird. Like They're, they're piping in sound, like fan noise. What? So this is, yeah, it's MLB sent fan, fan noise files to everybody. I think it's from MLB The Show video game, but I'm not, I can't confirm or deny that. But while sitting in the ballpark, and I was there yesterday, last night, the A's played the Giants as a spring training game or summer camp or whatever you want to call it. 
And uh, it's just there's a constant steady hum of fan noise, but there's nobody there. And you like it's clapping. And so and it's run by a guy. He presses a button for cheering or booing or whatever. So you'll watch if you're watching a game on TV, a guy will strike out and then he'll take a couple of steps and then you'll hear the cheers or the boos or whatever. It's going to be a little bit delayed. So it's actually kind of strange. But it got weird. It got weird last night when at one point in the game they started a, a Let's Go Giants chant. So there was you hear voices of people. Like hearing clapping and just like ambient noise is one thing, but hearing voices of people who aren't there was a little weird. <laughs> but, are, uh, they, are, there, are the players at least there? Is there? Is that, is that... <laughs> well, well, it's it's interesting that you would say that. For half the games, they will be. I'm I'm uh, scheduled actually to work road games as well. Um, each team has their own uh, commentators that do radio and TV, and those guys are not going to be traveling to other stadiums. They're going to be doing everything from their home ballpark. So. Thursday, I'll be at the ballpark. The Giants will be in L.A., and I'll be watching the game on TV and scoring it on my scoreboard, and the guys that are doing radio and TV will be there as well, and they're going to be using the information that I put up to uh, you know, enhance their broadcast. So it's, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting. <laughs> wow. Bizarre. Bizarre. All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so next week, uh, Wild Card uh, episode... That's going to be fun. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be basically the uh, Sour Beers. Uh, Jordan, hmm? Randy, hmm? you guys like Sour Beers. I don't. So uh, it's going to be I Hate Sour Beers. Uh, convince me that I'm wrong. You basically. don't hate Sour Beers. I don't like Sour Beers. So well, you guys are going to have to you convince might. me. That you're change my mind. Change my mind. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. Change my mind. Yeah. Sorry. Ooh, you can be the guy sitting at the table. Right. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> so, we'll see, it's, we'll see so I've got a question. Yeah. With that, everybody's seen, 150% of you have seen that meme where it's the guy sitting at the table. Steven Crowder. It's, it's got changed my mind. Um, <clears throat> is is that the same guy that was everybody's friend on MySpace when it started? No. no. That's Steven Crowder. Steven Crowder. It looks like the same guy. No, no. Tom? No, no. You talking about hey, Tom? That's Tom his name was Tom. <laughs> no, I can't believe you remember. Tom that, died long ago. <laughs> you I must have know. been three when we had MySpace accounts. I I think they're the same guy. Uh, yeah. Change my mind. <laughs> yeah. So it, it it will be interesting, and I'll tell you. You know, not only. So Eric's absolutely right in his uh, uh, assertion that Jordan and I are both big fans of sour beers. Uh, the the one wrinkle though, is that I have not done a lot of it, uh, of research um, personally on pairing sour beers with cigars. Jordan believes that there is uh, fabulous pairing opportunities. I don't necessarily agree, so uh, I, I'm going to need to be convinced as well. But I do hope to uh, shed, shed some light and kind of walk through the flavor profile of a sour beer, what makes a sour beer, and maybe. Maybe not have Eric love sour beers by the end, but but maybe get a okay. I I could see why you guys value these and like these, and I could see them having a place somewhere, you know. So we could pick whatever cigar. Is that the deal? So we're gonna pick di- uh, different cigars. Okay. Uh, I am gonna push for a uh, a Flanders Red um, or Flanders Brown. Uh, I'm gonna be going with the Rodenbach Grand Cru, uh, which is a a classic Belgian sour. Uh, style beer that has uh, not only that uh, very bright tart lactic acid, but it has some acetic acid that is uh, like a malt vinegar uh, character as well. 
And um, I'll go ahead and just spill the beans. I think I'm going to actually be pairing that with the Meat Lovers Club mm. from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, trying to uh, pair some of that sourness and uh, and vinegary character with that meaty, savory uh, note that uh, Steve Saka tries to bring for those uh, Meat Lovers Club collaborations. Interesting. All right. I'll take that into account when I pick mine. Indubitably. Great. Now, uh, sour, that's like a, it, it's going to be, there's a lot of beers that are pretty tart that aren't like called sours. So I, I, I'll send you guys some slides uh, so we can put, put them up. Uh, well, it's, no, it's a, it's a good point. Like you can go with, there's a fruit, there's fruited sours, there's kettle sours, which I've always considered more of like an American style sour. That's going to be a bit more fruit forward. Um, so that's barrel aged sour. Yeah. Bar- you're going more barrel aged, which is a bit more traditional more tart than fruit. Um, like a Cantillon style is what, uh, what that kind of brings to mind for me. Although Flanders is very specific. Um, that's uh, no, it's interesting to, uh, I would think that maybe getting away from the fruit would probably be a good idea as far as pairing. Uh, but I, I'm afraid of fruit with pairings and I've been proved wrong twice so far this season. So maybe going with extra fruit is the way to go. I don't know. Fair enough. Cool. Gentlemen. So that's, that's, uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to call out uh, oh, yeah. uh, Friday's coming uh, fast and, and hard at us. Uh, what, what are we going to see on Smoke Night Live this weekend, gentlemen? Choice of words. So uh, uh, we've got uh, – we're, we're, we're gearing up for the big uh, Dogma Sun Grown launch, which is a week from tomorrow night. So on this uh, Friday, uh, we will have Abe Babna and Jack Heyer, Abe from Smoke In and Jack from Drew Estate. And we're going to be talking about the sun-grown launch and how it's going to work. It's going to be amazing. There's all kinds of different levels of things that you can buy and bonus things that you can get, entries into contests if you want to try to win the katana sword. Like there's, it's going to be a event of the. It's it is the event of the summer. Wouldn't you say, Jordan? Oh. Easy. It's the event of Come the on. summer, so we're going to try to prime you guys for that on Friday night to let you know exactly how it's going to go down on the 30th, and so uh, Abe and Jack will be walking everybody through the various things that, the ways that you can purchase SunGrown. And you can win, like, Liga A's. Oh, it's, it's um, incredible. Tabletop lighters, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you can win, and pretty much, if you buy that day on the 30th, you will get something cool. Like, you will get some sort of swag pack regardless. But some people will get even more. So uh, we'll be letting you know. We'll be letting everybody know on Friday uh, all those various purchase options and that kind of stuff. Should be fun. Cool. Very nice. Awesome. That's going to be – that'll be a good show. So that's Friday, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, correct? Correct. Correct. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> I thought of you today, Eric. Yes. My wife uh, was, uh, since we're both working from home, she made a call and I don't know who she was calling and what she was calling about. And um, the recording said, oh, our, you know, we're, we're, our office is closed. And it was four o'clock. And she's like, what the hell? Office is closed. She says, office closes at 6 p.m. Central time. And I thought, who does central time? <laughs> Let alone mountain time. I just, so it just, 
I thought of you when they said Central Time. Yeah, it's all you West Coast people just think the world revolves around you guys. I mean, no, it revolves around the East Coast and then us and then everybody. Else. That's true. It's all it's all about the water, baby. You got to be close to the water. You got to have the ports. You're bringing all the stuff in. We are generating the economy. You guys are just partaking in it. But, hey, baby, wow. come on, man. Is it wow. is it uh, Mountain versus Central though? Who wins in that battle? That's the question. Central. So we're just last place? You guys are the only people. I didn't even know there was such a thing as mountain time until I I got to know you. We have the best sports viewing (laughs) uh, time zone in the country. Come on. There's literally one state that has mountain time. Just one. (laughs) It's uh, Colorado. uh, You guys are horrible. So who wins between mountain time and central time would be like if you played the Super Bowl. And then... Whoever lost in the championship games, they played each other. And then whoever wins that game, that's the winner. So nobody cares. But we got to watch all the games, though. That's the interesting caveat there. Yeah, we get the perfect time slots. You you probably do. You probably do. You're already off of work. 7 o'clock. It's perfect, yeah. All right, you weasels. We'll see you guys later. This was an interesting Corojo journey. The Corojo journey. A lot of fun. We smoked some really good cigars. Uh, we'll be back with Sumatra, as you guys already heard from uh, Randy's eloquent telling. We are smoking some great cigars on a leaf that I think, frankly, just doesn't get that much recognition. It's just kind of odd. These are really good cigars, and for whatever reason, it just kind of it doesn't seem to generate the interest that some of these others these others do. So, um, anyway, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. It's been a blast. It's funny when it's just the four of us. I feel like we can go an hour and a half without even noticing that it's been that long. Just hanging out. Like I, I, yeah, I looked up. It's like, holy crap, we've been doing this for an hour and a half. I normally don't mention the time because who cares? But it's uh, I, we've, we were always 45 minutes kind of to an hour. And, and now it's like, uh, let's just keep it under two, boys. But uh, <laughs> I think that just means we're having a good time. I hope everybody enjoys it as well. Uh, we'll see you all. I won't see you, but they will see you next week. Uh, Everybody have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to each other, and we'll check with you next week as the Odyssey continues.